Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Would you stand with me, please, as I read to you from the book of the Revelation. Those of you that know the scripture know that in the book of the Revelation, the seven churches are addressed, each with a different message, each with a different personality, each looked at, as John wrote from the Isle of Patmos this book, he spoke to all kinds of situations, but the one that I draw out for us this morning is the book of the Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. This is the church of Philadelphia. Listen as I read what he writes. Two verses. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Now listen to the eighth verse. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. For you have had a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. It is to that church, the Lord says, I will put before you, I have put before you an open door. May God speak to us now. Would you be seated? <clears throat> when God set out his plan for this world, in the center of that plan was to send one to the world who would show the world that was seeking God what God was like. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and God sent his only begotten son. And by sending that son, the God the Father was saying to those that had any inkling to want to know their creator, want to know the one that had them planned before the foundation of the world. If anybody wanted to know what that God was like, they would have one that would walk among them for a little over 30 years and then would lay his life down and be crucified in order that all of the rest of us could come to know God personally because we came to know his son Jesus Christ through salvation. So when God wanted the world to see what he was like, he sent Jesus. When you have seen me, John 14 and 9, Jesus said, you have seen the Father. Then the time came after the crucifixion when, when Jesus rose from the grave and then 40 days later ascended to the right hand of the Father. But before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, saying, it's better for me now to go away, he said, I am going to leave you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. It is best that I go because the comforter will not come unless I go. And I will 
Build my church. We've been reading it all through the Sagemont story, Matthew 16, 18. And I say also to you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when Jesus left, they could see God through Jesus while he was here. But he could only be in one place at one time. He said, now it's time for the world to see who I am. And so the Holy Spirit comes. And the Bible tells us that Jesus established his church so the world could know who Jesus is because of what the real church is and then can know the Father through the Son. You see, it was all a divine plan. It had to do not with something that man could architect or design, but it had something to do with from the beginning of time. The world needed to see what is God like. So the church was established after Jesus left. If you read through the New Testament, you will see that it was the body of Christ. You will see that it was the family of God, the church I'm talking about. The real church would be the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. Now, I don't know what your concept of church is. For a lot of people, it's that building down there on the corner that you go to ever so often. You go on special days. You go if your life starts falling apart. But it's a place where you go, and that's called church. That's where the church meets. One year ago, we moved into this place where the church meets. This is not the church. We're the church. If, if, if we know God through Jesus Christ. And if we know God through Jesus Christ, we fit into the plan, different spiritual gifts. All of us having a purpose, not any of us to just sit on the premises. We're to stand on the promises. The Bible says, if you will just take up your cross and follow me, you're to go to the uttermost parts of the world and make disciples. Now, making disciples mean, did not mean you go find all the saved people and disciple them. No, none of them were saved. The first step to discipleship is getting saved. There's a whole lot of people trying to make disciples that have never been born again. What they're trying to do is make disciples of themselves. They've got a few religious ideas that they're sold on and believe that you need to be sold on them, so just be like them. That's not the deal. As he is, Jesus, so we're to be in this world. He said to the church at Philadelphia, I know your works. He would say to Sage Mott, I know your story. And I know your story glorifies me. And I know your story is a result of your following me. Not a pastor, not a program, not a denomination, but following me. And you have had your focus on me, and because of that, I am now putting before you an opportunity to literally change the world by getting the gospel the uttermost parts of the earth. In verse 8, he looks very clearly and he says, you're growing in strength. You have a little strength? 
but you're growing in strength. 47 years this church has had consistent growth from 16 to now over 18,500 members. He says, you have kept my word. Sagemont has kept the word of God. I am so grateful when I'm not in the pulpit, people like Wade Owens and Stuart the last two weeks could stand in this pulpit and proclaim the word of God as the inspired and errant and infallible word of God and not a couple of intellectuals that would just go off on a tangent to kind of introduce the latest idea that somebody had written in a book. That's a good seller. I'm so grateful for the incredible ministers like Dr. Hastings and Dr. And Brother, Brother Gad and Dr. Smith. And I mean, we go on and on and on. You know this when you come here. Nobody stands in this pulpit to proclaim their ministry. They stand in this pulpit to proclaim the word of God. That's what this church was about. God does not put an open door in front of a church that the church has a vision. He puts an open door in front of a church who's captured the vision that God set from the foundation of the world. And, the, and that vision is, I don't want any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he says, you've honored me by being obedient to the scripture in, Phil in the church in Philadelphia. But I want you to walk and parallel that with what you know about Sagemont Church. This is where we are to serve in our generation. He said, now I have seen you be obedient to scripture. Now I'm going to give you a vision and I am going to open up doors for you that were never opened before. And if you will commit to continue to obey me and take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me, I will bless you like never before. We have seen the Lord for 47 years. Let me tell you something I didn't tell you uh, at the last... Uh, chapter of the Sagemont story in this group. And I now think I know why I didn't because I'm gonna tell it to you right now. <laughs> I wanna take you back to the moment when God put in place the last dollar to build this building that we meet in. I want to take you back out to that hot parking lot. If you'll remember, there was 113 degrees that was cooled down into the 80s. I want you to remember that that day that there was a figure of about two, two point, uh, uh, four million dollars it was needed just to continue the work and that there was like a 3.4 and I'm speaking from memory now but uh, that we needed to complete the building and then you'll remember as Dr. Brother Jim Green and myself and Ernest our paper man down here on the corner who was trying to get his papers from getting wet this morning who is a miracle of God's grace we stood in that parking lot and we announced that day, Brother Jim Green gave you the figure that you gave $200,000 more than it was going to take to complete the building. You remember that part of the story. Now here's what I didn't tell you. When that announcement was made, the clouds had covered the western sun. The moment that figure was read, that dark cloud opened up like a camera lens and a beam shot out of the western sky and hit this parking lot and there were 2,000 people out there that witnessed it as if the Lord was saying, I see you. I know what you're doing. I am paying attention to you. I want the people that died, that gave to build that building to see 
that the celebration and the victory is here and a dove came right down that beam and flew right over the head of where we three men stood and went up around that cross and flew off. Now you can say, what a coincidence. Or you can say, God in a very dramatic way said, I know your works, I know your faith, I know your intentions, I know your purpose. You're wanting to see people saved. You're wanting to see people that feel like they have no purpose in life and that they have to bow down to politics or bow down to some form of religion or bow down to an economic system or bow down to a moral culture and say, no, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to follow the Lord. Wherever he leads, we're going to go. And we don't have any other agenda but to lift him up in order that people can be drawn unto him. And that's what God was saying that day. That's the way I interpreted it. He simply said, I see, I know, I care. And the dove is the Holy Spirit, which is a symbol of power. And the Bible says, you shall receive power and the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Next Sunday, there will be ministers here from all, for no telling where. I had one call me yesterday. He and his wife are coming to be here in this service next week from another state. They said, we just want to come and experience a worship service at Sagemont Church. We have heard the story. We have heard what God is doing. But the same God of Louisiana is the God of Africa and Asia and the Middle East. And on and on we can go. The door has been opened. God has blessed in accordance with his word as the other scripture was, 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, for the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of a people whose heart is perfect towards him. Now, for the church to receive the blessing, it must meet the conditions. It's not just do whatever you want to do and I'll get in on it. No, the church must understand that God does not change. In all of our desires to be relevant, we want to be real, first of all, and that is to understand that our methods can change, but our purpose does not change. Jesus came 2,000 years ago with a purpose. And that purpose has not changed. Jesus established his church and said, now you go make disciples. That has not changed. It does not now have another curriculum. It now does not have another agenda. You say, well, I know the church of the what's happening now, and they've decided that they're going to let them do that if they want to, but that's not what God led this church to do. I don't think it's what God led any church to do. I think with the preaching of the cross may be foolishness to those that perish, but to those that are saved, it's the power of God and the salvation. And the only thing that's going to save this world is the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses from all sin. We cannot legislate morals, but we can be born again and old things pass away and all things become new. But when people come to church, folks, they've got to hear the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they do not hear that, it does not matter how many thousands of people come on the weekends. That's not what church is all about. Church is about letting the redeemed of the Lord say so and to stand strong on the word of God. God does not change. 
and the requirements of God, of his church, never change. He said, I will be with you even to the end of the age. But that was prefaced by, if you'll go make disciples and baptize them and teach them all the things that I've commanded them. Yes, even the part that's not politically correct. Even the part that the government says will put you in jail. Well, if they do, we'll have revival in the penitentiaries, won't we? Amen. They tried that, if you'll remember, when Paul was around. You do remember, don't you? You didn't want to guard Paul. You either got saved or went nuts because all he did was just tell you about Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that, and I want you to turn to a New Testament scripture in Acts chapter 2. Verse 42. I want you to listen carefully as I read to you one of my favorite scriptures, and that is the 42nd verse. This is to the church in Acts. The book of Acts is about the church. Listen to what it says. It says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer, and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods. They parted them to all men as every man had a need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want you to notice four things there. They were unified with a shared vision and a common mindset. Everybody was not doing their own thing. Number two, there was an environment of awe and expectancy. They expected God to do something. I heard an old preacher one time ago that God had anointed in an incredible way, and every time he had preached, many people would get saved. And one day he was talking to a young preacher, and this young preacher was a little bit upset because he said, you know, people just don't get saved when I preach. He said, well, do you expect people get saved every time you preach? He said, no, I, I don't expect that. He said, well, that's the reason they don't ever get saved. <laughs> you see, when Jesus preached, he expected people to get saved. When John the Baptist preached, he expected people to get saved. When we come to church, I expect people to get saved. This afternoon, Wade and I and John Mark and Roy Gale and some other, we'll be talking about who got saved today. That's a, that's a figure I want to know. Did anybody get to meet Jesus today? Was anybody born again? Did anybody become an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ? If so, we want to celebrate with them and rejoice with them and thank the Lord for what he has done. There was a great environment of expectancy. Then there was genuine care and love for one another. Did you see, see that? And then they praised God and they drew closer to one another. Now, when you draw closer to one another, you get to know one another better. And you know, one of the things about drawing close, like if you work and say, we've got a work crew, don't you hope everybody works on the crew? <laughs> if you have a family, don't you hope everybody in the family loves one another and everybody kind of wants to be, make a part of having a better family? Well, that's what you want in church. We don't want a few folks out here on the playing field, you know, and a whole bunch of people in the stands saying, amen, praise the Lord, go get them. <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's convenient, I'll be back next week and see how y'all doing. We're so caught up in a spectator generation, it's kind of moved over into the church, quite frankly, and it did that a long time ago. But we've got to create an inductive atmosphere for God's presence every time we meet. Let me read you from the book of James. 
fourth chapter. And I'm going to read it from the King James, and then I want to read you from one of the translations that, that many of you read, and I have this, and I, I study the different translations, as I've told you before. But let me read first from James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? But he gives more grace. Wherefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace unto the humble. Now a lot of people read the King James translation they say well you know that was written 400 plus years ago and when it was translated and and, you know, it's, that's kind of, you know, we're kind of moving away from that. We have our modern translations now. Let me read you a recent translation if you think it makes it any easier for you to swallow what I just read. This is from the message. James 4, 4 through 6. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way. Flirting with the world every chance you get. You end up enemies of God and his ways. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud, but God gives grace to the willing humble. Let me read you one other. The NAS. Do you think the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. You know what all that says? It simply says, it's not my way or your way or my generation or your generation. It's his ways or it's a highway. You see, he simply says to his church, don't you flirt with the world and become a part of the world. Don't you become worldly to try to reach the world. You come out from among them and be separate and be ye pure and perfect as he is perfect and to do your your best to make sure that when people come that you are not trying to reach out to them and their culture alone but you're trying to lift up God and their culture will come to the cross of Jesus Christ the gospel is so real in so many ways we have ministries we have music we have messages we have programs that reach this generation but the centering thing is is Jesus lifted up is the Word of God being taught is the message one of conviction or is it a message that attempts to just I'm gonna be like you and hope that I can reach you and if you don't want to come because we're not doing what you want to do then I'm just not gonna come the Bible is simply say or the Lord would simply say I don't share my glory with anybody the thing that makes me literally lay before God at times is, is God pleased with everything that I do in my personal life and it's everything that we do in our church and everything we do as Christians because his ways are so clear. Others ought to want to join our ministry because of the gospel and be a part of it and not to be just observers. It's not how many came to attend, it's how many came and left all that followed Jesus. How many came to serve? Jesus, James said, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I like to get around church people. 
They're so spiritual in the way they talk. They just have it memorized, you know. Right today, we have so much need for vacation Bible school workers in just a few weeks. Rhonda is literally, and her leadership before the Lord, say, God, send us out workers. Kids are going to come by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And people are saying, would you serve? Well, I just don't feel led. Isn't that spiritual? I've come with an antidote to that. I have a, a sinker, a fishing lead in my pocket. When I ask you to serve and you say, I don't feel led, <laughs> I think you're getting it. I'm going to reach in my pocket and hand this to you. And then now, now what's, your, what's your excuse? You have felt led. Now, where are you going to serve? Could I just assure you that you're not going to get a special revelation to carry out the Great Commission? Could I just assure you of that? If you're saved, if you're saved. Now, if you're just a church-going person, say, I just love church. Man, there's some good people down there. Matter of fact, I get some pretty good business down there, you know. And, and it's kind of a nice place to raise your children, kind of keeps them out of trouble. No, no, that's not what it's all about. Let me tell you something. I just want you to know this. And I'm, I'm going to miss some things, but I'm going to say enough to make my point. Last Wednesday night, after most of us went home, choir and the orchestra that you just enjoyed a while ago was up here for a long, long time. You know why? So that they could focus on Jesus and the blood of Jesus, as you heard a moment ago. You say, well, how much you pay them? Zippo, zippo, nothing. Yesterday, the landscaping team was here before the crack of dawn. Yeah, how much you pay those people to do all that? Nothing. That's where they're carrying out the Great Commission. Because God has made himself so evident in creation that man is without an excuse. So when people drive onto this campus, they want the Lord to be glorified in what he's created so that the oleanders and the grass and, the, and all the water and all that kind of stuff will bring people to the Lord. Why are they doing that? They're fulfilling a Great Commission. That's God's call on their life. This is what I can do. I cannot teach a Bible study class. I cannot do this, but I can do that. I had two people last week, uh, in the last two weeks, that have contacted me. They haven't even joined the church yet. And they already want a place to serve. And one of them is on the landscaping team. I like that, folks. I like that. There's something going on. Before you got up this morning, the parking team was here. How much did they get paid? Nothing. If when you drove up in the rain today, if you're a senior adult or you have special needs, you were met with, with chairs and drivers and so forth, yeah, you know, I'd like to get a job doing that. You know, they pay minimum wage. No, no, they just own a great retirement program. <laughs> Our deacons are serving communion right now. There's volunteers in the bookstore, the cafe. At 8 o'clock this morning, the Word of God was spoke all over this building and taught by the most wonderful, godly Bible teachers in the whole world were available. And you could come and listen to them. That's carrying out the Great Commission. The prayer room is open right now. The greeters, the ushers, the information booth people. 30 minutes before we started this morning, they were all to be in their place. At 9.30 and 11.15, the doors to the worship center closed for a few moments of quietness and anticipation. Early this morning, those people that you saw up here were here getting ready so when we came in here, we could experience God. The Connection Center is available. 
Why? Because there are people there that want to tell you how much God loves you and to help you to get through the storms that you're facing in your life. The hospitality room is going to open in a few moments. A beautiful family Bible like this will be given to every single family here today that is our guest. We want to place this in your home and it will be given to you, not, not sold to you if you'll give a minimum contribution to the church. All during this time, God's word is being taught. The key to the open door is focusing on ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason our mission statement is we're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. It boils down to focus, beneficiaries, resources, and then programs. Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, asked Jesus, tempting him, and said, Master, what is the great commandment? What is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbors and thyself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. Folks, if we focus on programs at Sage Mott or any other church, that model is rejected by God. If we focus on people, that model is accepted by God. But if we focus on God, we will be blessed by God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things be added unto you. Listen to me carefully, folks. They've been too careful, especially those of you who've been here. I don't mean sage mind, I mean being in the kingdom of God forever. Don't get hung up on a program. But I just want that program. The church I went to had this program. That's wonderful. They had a program. There's a lot of good programs. But that's not the priority. The priority is God. It's to lift him up. And we can't be a part of every program. We can't have every program at this church, but there's only one God. And if that God is glorified, we will put these other things into place. When you have many guests and little growth, it is a result of a wrong focus. You see, when people come for a program, if you drop the program, they go find another church. Now listen to me. But when people come and find God, they stick around a long time. I just want you to know, church family, that the leaders of this church, that you know as the lay leaders of the church, I'm, I'm going to say probably 50% of them got saved at Sagemont Church 20, 30, 40 years ago. They were born again. Their life changed. They didn't go church hopping. They didn't go out and say, well, who's got the best parking or who's got the best buildings or who's got the best program? They said, I'm coming there because that's where I met God. And I'm going to bring people there because I hope they meet the God that I met. Because that God changed my marriage, changed my life, changed my total attitude about everything. That's what we want to see in the days to come. People come and go because of our programs. But when they meet God, things change. Oh, it's maybe subtle to some, but it's huge. Huge, huge. People come and go. But let me tell you something. God comes 
And as long as he has the center of attention, he isn't leaving. He isn't leaving. You can do with people leaving. You can't do when God leaves. When God leaves, you just need to hang a sign out front and say closed, out of business. There's a whole lot of places where people can get entertained. There's a whole lot of places where they can partake of the things of this world. There's a whole lot of places where they can meet a girl or a guy and have a lot of fellowship or a lot of relation, you know, with one another. But we want to meet God when they come here. And when people look around, they say, why are those folks so happy? Why are those people so excited? Why are they speaking to me? Because you're important to God. You know, I hear all this time about people don't want their name on anything. They don't want their name on anything. They just, this, this is our generation, preacher. Just don't put their name on anything. They, they just don't want to write it down. You know what? I'm going to try to learn their name anyway. Because God knows their name. And they may have got caught up in the culture and say, I don't want anybody to know who I am. I want you to know I want God to know who you are. He does know who you are, but I want to know who you are because God's got a plan for your life. And you're not just a number around here. The lottery's a bunch of numbers. Church is a bunch of people. We're real people. We want to give a word, a look, and a touch. You say, I don't like that. Well, go find another place. I can give you a whole list of them. And I want to tell you this. This church has always focused on reaching a lost world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Always, always, always. And God is the focus. We never got debt free because we thought it was a good idea and that we were capable of doing that. But God spoke to this church one day and said, get free. I've got something planned down the way. Our church shares the pulpit and the platform with so many different situations for one reason, to bring people to Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. The Bible studies, the programs, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, the student ministry, all of it is to get people involved. And so, God is the focus. People are the beneficiaries and the resources and programs are the facilitators. I've told you about Bible school. I want to close with another one. The future of this church is in the hands of those that are coming behind us. I don't care how old you are, those that are coming behind you. Our deacons are initiating and have seen the need for many of our young men that are willing to be discipled and equipped to become the deacons and the spiritual leaders of our church in the days to come. But there's some demands made on that. And quite frankly, there's a lot in this generation that says, well, I know, but, you know, I just kind of a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and I kind of think this, and I'm kind of, you know, I think it's okay, and after all, I'm under grace. and all. We want to teach our young men the Word of God. Amen. And for you young men that are here, 30 years of age, older, and you would like to be a part of what we're going to call the Timothy ministry or the Timothy program, where Paul took young Timothy. And he said, I want you to understand why. That whenever you become a leader, the, the, the more you, closer you get to the top, the narrower the playing field, folks. When you're just one of the bunch down here, you can just kind of believe in everything in moderation. But when you're going to lead, Jesus was perfect. He is the supreme leader. He knew no sin. 
And sin in moderation, in any shape, form, or fashion, is to be abhorred by those that are going to lead the people of God. Now, we're wanting to call these young men out. We want you to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to put in place leadership to train these young men to take the reins. But the focus will stay the same. God is King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible's inspired in the word of God, in the word of God, and the purpose is to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to Houston first, that's Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. Now, I don't know how to make it any simpler, but I do know this. As long as that's the focus, God will say the best days of this church are way out there in the future, now in the future, not the past. Thank God for the past. Hats off to the past, now coats off to the future. Now that card you got in your hand, what are you you supposed to do with it? I want you to take that card and just scratch out down there where it says something about prayer request. What I want you to do is if you'll just reach in there and say, okay, here's what I want to do. I want want to tell you something, preacher, in two sentences. That's all the room you got there. Well, you can go and do it on the back, I guess. Whatever you want to say to me. Here's what I want you to tell me on there. Pastor, I'm going to make myself available. I want God to use me to serve somewhere. Folks, we got all kinds of places you can serve. We have all kinds of things ready to do. If somebody says, I'll do them. But I don't want you to put on there, I don't feel led. Let me tell you something. If God didn't have a place for you to serve, you'd already be in heaven. That's simple. And if you can ever convince God that you're through serving him, you might make the next call to the funeral parlor and say, would you have the coach ready? Because I've just settled it with God. As for me, I'm through. I am too old, too decrepit, too set in my ways, too busy, too rich, too famous. I am going to do nothing. God say, fine, I'll send the coach over right now. But if I were you, I'd go out of here thanking the Lord, trying to convince the Lord he can't do without you. <laughs> you know, if you say, I'd just like to say, I want to go to heaven, but I just don't want to go today. You know? But seriously, folks, would you take this card? Now, we may not have one for everybody. Out there at the information booth, they're at all four corners stacked up. Don't have to fill it out today. If you do, drop it in those boxes out there. Now, you don't have to wrap a $100 bill around it, okay? Just put it in the box. If you want to do that, that'll be fine. We do need $327,000 more in the next three weeks to buy the property out here. So if God uh, wants you to be a part of that, let us know. We'll make the call in, on June the 21st. But this is, we want you to serve the Lord somewhere. Maybe it's Bible school. Maybe it's to get in the Timothy program. We'll just take it to the Lord. We'll see what happens, okay? You're saying I'm least interested. I just want to find a place. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless us as we depart from this room. We know, God, that you've got a plan. We've had an opportunity to see how quick a year goes by. How you bless this church in a way that the message went in so many different directions. Lord, I thank you for what you've let us do for missions in the last 12 months that we never thought would ever possible be able to do that. And then for the open doors that are before us. Dear God, would you just call out people that, that are really sincerely seeking you that are really wanting to know why am I here on this earth 
And I pray, dear God, that you'll just let us hear from one another. May people understand we're here to talk, to listen, to pray together, to help people find your will. And most of all, Lord, I'm praying for those that have substituted either no religion or just religion for a relationship with you. May they be saved today. May they find their way back to that very special spot that we call our Connection Center and give their heart and their life to you. I pray, God, that you'll bring some believers into our church family today that'll start with us right now as we begin the summer to serve you. And I ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.